We've all been there before. We hop in our cars to head downtown for the big show, but there's a problem. We're running late, and along with thousands of other people, we are hunting for the perfect parking spot. You know, the one that's close enough to walk, but not too far and still safe. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just reserve a spot and not think twice about the hassle? Luckily, John Ziegler, the CEO of Park Mobile, is here to solve that vexing issue. On this episode of IT Visionaries, John talks about how Park Mobile is innovating to make parking a bit more effortless. Enjoy this episode. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform. This podcast is created by the team at mission.org. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, host of IT Visionaries. And today we are joined by special guest, John, what's going on? Hey, Ian, good. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it is... Going to be a fun chat today. We always love talking about smart cities, uh, how parking is changing, um, because boy, is it, is it uh, one of the things that I think absolutely needs uh, disruption, for lack of a better word. So when you get into that, plus your background in technology. So let's get into it. How did you get started in technology in the first place? You know, it's a, it's a great question. I, I started out just out of college as an investment banker, actually and ended up working with, uh, with technology companies and ultimately saw that I was helping move money around for people to build really cool companies. And I wanted to be in those companies and run those instead. Um, so in the late 90s, I moved out to San Francisco and, uh, and joined a small startup there. Uh, and that's really kind of how I got my start and went through the, the first boom and the first bust. And I've really never looked back since then. So flash forward to today, for those of our listeners who don't know, tell us a little bit about Park Mobile and your job as CEO. Sure. So for those that aren't familiar with Park Mobile, we are a mobility company. We enable people to find, reserve, and pay for primarily parking, but also charging and other uh, auto-related services via mobile app. Uh, we do this in over 450 cities around the U.S., over 100 universities. Essentially, anywhere you can park, you most likely can find it and pay for it using Park Mobile. Um, so what people think of us most of the time uh, as is on most any city street, instead of paying the meter when you park, you will see a zone code. The Park Mobile app will let you know where you are, and you can say, I want to start parking for an hour, and it will start your session without having to put cash and coin into the meter, use a credit card, put a slip on your dashboard. And then the other convenience that comes from it is that you can then also add time remotely. If you're not, if you're not, if you're going to be late, if your time's going to run out, you can actually add time from your, uh, from your phone instead of going back to the street. Uh, but beyond that, really, if you think about anywhere that you can park, we probably provide a service for you. So if you're going to a concert at a concert venue and you want to reserve parking in advance, we power that across over a hundred um, stadiums and universities uh, across the U.S. Uh, air, 25 airports, if you reserve parking in advance, that's us as well. Transit stations, all of those pieces. So that's really what Park Mobile does. And our goal is to eliminate friction and increase convenience for drivers. And so what is the size and scope of the organization right now? 
So right now we run about a little, little shy of 10 million transactions every single month for uh, over 19 million people uh, in the US. We're based in Atlanta. The company has about just shy of 200 employees and we operate all across, all across North America with a high, uh, with a high focus on, on the United States. And so from a technology perspective, how is your team arrayed? What are you working on in terms of you know, building this application and making it uh, you know, have the size and the scale that it does? Sure. And you know, we've, as we've grown, you know, we've gone through a, a lot of di- different iterations. As any high growth company uh, would know, you, know, you go through sort of phases. When I started here in 2015, we were, we were very small. We've increased our size uh, on almost every metric by about 600% in the, last, in the last five years. Our teams right now are much larger, more diversified around different product groups. Um, but we've really gone through an evolution really of when we were small, really starting to figure out, all right, how do we work in an agile environment? How do we get some dedicated teams to start just building and delivering code? Uh, we were much more focused back then on the front end and making sure that, that our app, that our user experience was really, really good, was really intuitive, really user-friendly, because our goal was that we needed a lot more people to be using the solution. You know, every time they use the solution is when we get paid. As we've continued to grow and expand, we've had to really push a lot of our focus now on to call it more the infrastructure in the backend side. Uh, and so, you know, real hardcore architects and, you know, and high, you know, high velocity, high availability processing because our scale now from a transaction standpoint is so large and we're processing billions of dollars of other people's money, of cities' money all the time in terms of parking payments and things like that. So right now, the way that our, that our, that our development shop is set up, you know, we have front end web and app uh, developers and UX folks who are really focused on the consumer and also the client experience for our, for our administrative tools. Then on the back end, we have a very large infrastructure team uh, that's focused on, you know, really keeping the wheels running. All of the, you know, high velocity processing that we're doing, you know, complex calculations around parking rates and reservations and events and things like that. Yeah, I'm curious, like, what does your infrastructure look like? How are you managing? You mean, what are we, what are we using and, and platforms, things like that? Yeah. Sure. So we're, you know, we're by and large a .NET shop. No, we're on we're on AWS for 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 our hosting. Um, we do have you know we do have some other technology. We have a little bit of Ruby in there, um, but prim- primarily we're we're .NET. We have native iOS and native Android uh, apps um, uh, that are out, and we run a pretty flexible platform where we off we operate probably I think twenty to twenty five different private label apps, but all on the same platform. So when we roll out a feature functionality change. It, it deploys to all of the all of the apps that we have based upon the desire of that client. Oh, that's um, so interesting. For, I didn't yeah, realize so, that. Yeah. So it's if you look at most apps out in the United States, and I'll take an example of of the, there's a Park Minneapolis app, Park MPLS. Uh, that's actually Park Mobile, and it's part. Of, it's on the Park Mobile platform. You know, Minneapolis opted to add reservations to their capabilities. You know, last year, and so now that app has reservations enabled. Whereas in uh, Philadelphia, um, the Philadelphia Meter Up app only has on-street, on-street parking capabilities. So we can turn on and off and toggle on and off those capabilities, um, but all on, all on a single platform. 
the other thing I would note about the way we've built our infrastructure is that the key for us is that, is that all of our apps can work anywhere. We are a network. So think of us as the Visa or the MasterCard of mobility. So the Park Minneapolis app can be used anywhere that Park Mobile is accepted. So if you see that at PBUG, you can use any one of those private label apps. Um, and that's really the power of what we've built is that 30% of our over 18 million users use us, use their app as they travel from city to city, state to state, town to town. That's fascinating. So, yeah, it's been really interesting. So you can think of it like, like a, you know, like a, a, a Chase Visa credit card versus a Bank of America Visa credit card. They all work in all the same places, right? It's just the brand that's on it. We really look at ourselves as connecting drivers to services, primarily parking at this point, but increasingly things like charging and cleaning and, you know, all sorts of other services that are, that a car will require fueling. Yeah. That's fascinating. That must be some, uh, some in-depth stuff under the hood to make that a reality. Um, that's pretty cool. I had no idea. I mean, I have parked mobile on my, on my phone right now and, uh, and I've used it in various, I live in Oakland, you know, grabbing an extra slice of pizza or, uh, or whatever it is and don't want to go back to my car. It works great. But I never thought about the ability to travel and, uh, and, and do things in other cities uh, with the same application. I guess I, maybe I just haven't used that use case. That's pretty cool. Well, you, you know what? I'll tell you what, if you've driven to Berkeley or Vallejo or Walnut Creek, you probably have, you just haven't even realized it. Well, I, Vallejo and, uh, Wanna Creek, definitely. Uh, I try to avoid <laughs> Berkeley as much as possible because parking is <laughs> a nightmare there. Um, yeah, it's, uh, but I think that, and to make this a broader conversation about parking in general, you know, we were joking before this, like, clearly there should be no more meters. Like, meters are ugly and annoying. And really, their only purpose at this point is to uh, hold dog leashes uh, if you need to run in. And uh, grab something and have your dog hang out for a few seconds. You know, it's these things are owned by government entities, and parking is managed by government entities in in a lot of cases. So I'm curious, like I'd imagine, like the sales cycle for this sort of thing is years long because you're working with governments and they're making planning decisions on on ten year time horizons. But I want to glimpse into the future. Like, what does this stuff look like in the future from a technology perspective? Sure. There's, you know, there's a lot going on. You know, people think about, about parking and, and they think pretty staid and slow, but, but there's actually a ton going on right now within the parking space. And the reason I would say that is that, is that there's a ton going on in the, in the personal mobility space and, and a realization of how do you, that we have technologies now that can drive efficiencies, drive friction out. And the reason that we as a company started with tackling the parking problem was that A, it's an industry that was, you know, a majority built on 100-year-old technology, parking meters that were still in use. Uh, and B, if you think about a vehicle, there's only one thing that is an absolute certainty when a vehicle goes into, into motion, and that is that it will park, right? Now, you may not pay for parking, but it will at some point come to rest. And so parking is the one thing around, via, you know, personal vehicle mobility that is 100% relevant to every single trip. So if you think about the Amazon example of selling books, you know, everybody buys books. They may not buy them a lot, but they always buy books. And so if you can have all the books 
in the world, then you're going to get every person at some point. And once then, at that point, you're then relevant to everybody. Well, for us, we started the parking because if we could get all the parking inventory and make it easy for people to find and pay for it on one platform, then we're relevant every single trip. But going back to meters, you know, there's a, a real opportunity to innovate and have, you know, around the paying for parking side of the, of the house. And for municipalities, for universities, for anyone that owns parking assets, it's a very important income stream as well. And until recently, a parking meter is the only way that you really could pay for it. You know, we tend to agree with you that parking meters will probably over time go away altogether. We are already seeing them start to, to decrease in terms of deployment. And the reason is a couple of things. When you think about efficiency, uh, they're very expensive to procure for the city. So big capital expenditure. They're expensive to install and they're expensive to maintain. And maintain, maintenance is not only a data plan to make sure that you can, you know, go to the cloud and, and get a credit card transaction run. It's also somebody coming by and collecting cash and coin and removing graffiti if you need to and fixing it because the motherboard goes out. So there's all sorts of things around this, this ongoing expense uh, for the city, not to mention that they're, that they're not necessarily terribly attractive. Um, so cities are looking at ways that they can lower costs, increase livability, uh, and increase flexibility. And so we're really a solution for that. The thing that we're seeing now a lot of, and we've seen a number of clients in the last month that have started to do this, is that people are also realizing that these are devices that are touched by tens, if not hundreds of people every day. And as we start looking into a, you know, call it a post COVID world or a world that's much more aware of the potential of, of, of uh, transmission of, of illness through contact, devices like this, we believe are going to start to become just not within the consumer vernacular anymore. That's why you've seen a seven, like a 200% increase in contactless payments in the last month alone. And so we're seeing cities start to say, hey, you can't use the meter anymore. You have to use a mobile payment because we don't want you touching the meter and we don't want our own people touching all these meters to maintain them, to collect cash and coin, et cetera. So what's interesting is that a consumer convenience uh, is now also becoming a health and safety issue uh, for, for cities, municipalities, universities, et cetera. From a scope standpoint, Park Mobile is really right at the top uh, of, of apps um, in the app store for this kind of personal mobility you know, I guess industry for lack of a better term. Obviously, it's it's very different from some of the other things like Google and Waze and things like that. But I'm curious, like, how does this transform uh, with, you know, things like edge computing and and how much compute is happening as these number of transactions, uh, as more and more people download the application and and the footprint expands. Um, you know, across the U.S. and and globally, like I'm just curious, like what does that compute look like? You mean just in terms of kind of raw processing requirements and things like that? Yeah, processing requirements and just like how does it change? It seems like you know the amount of transactions that could be happening on the platform could be enormous in the in the next yep. you know five ten years. Oh, ab- absolutely, and we're you know we are we we are have been and continue to build on our platform to, you know, to be, to be able to scale at 10 and a hundred times the volumes that we're at, we're at now. Um, you know, we're, we're the number three 
the third most downloaded app in the uh, in the the Apple navigations you know navigation category behind Waze and Google Maps. Interestingly, uh, which is which is you know not too bad for you know a relatively small company from from a personnel size. Uh, you know, it's not, not that's not bad uh, company to be in. Yeah, we think that frankly, we are. Although I believe that uh, adoption of our solutions uh, of our type of solution is now you know, sort of over that tipping point going, you know, mainstream, uh, we have one in 13 drivers already uses us today. We believe that there's a lot more to be done. Uh, And as technology continues to advance, particularly around, you know, at the street level and at the garage level, the volumes that we are going to start to see will will continue to increase exponentially. Uh, If you think about it, you know, right now you drive into, I mean, there's not just parking on street and we probably you know, we have 85% of the top 100 municipal statistical areas to use us exclusively. Um, so we have a pretty good market share on that side. But there are thousands of cities in the U.S. that, you know, that still need to deploy, deploy a, a mobile solution. Um, but beyond that, there are tens of millions of parking you know, events that happen in every city and town, in garages, for instance, where people are pulling their window down, pulling a ticket, Putting you know putting it back in on the way out, paying a credit card, when all they really need to do is drive in and have a sensor you know notice their either their phone or read their license plate, and the gate should open and it should know that's a Park Mobile client, and when they drive out, it'll charge them whatever they charge. And so, as technology at the gate begins continues to advance and get upgraded, what we'll start to see is picking up all of those transactions where we are completely eliminated friction from from the entire parking scenario so there's a lot there's a lot to do there there's also a lot to do in terms of you know call it optimal routing or optimal placement of where you should go and park uh if i know that i'm going downtown you know where's the best place for me to go and how do i have my car my phone navigate me to fourth street versus third street because that's where the parking's available on street and i know i want to park on street or immediately to the garage around the corner because i like to park in garages or it's raining um, so there's a lot to do around around driving efficiencies because the faster I can get somebody out of you know parked and out of their car, that's less time they're spending on the street. And 30% of traffic in high urban areas is caused by people looking for parking. And so, you know, how do we lower the carbon footprint of a city writ large by improving the efficiency of getting people from A to B and out of their car? I remember um the first time I went to Las Vegas and one of the new, I think it was like Aria and uh, one of the best parking lots in, in Vegas, they had all the green lights and the red lights to tell you which, you know, which seats were available uh, or which uh, spaces were available. Um, and I was like, wow, this is a great invention. I know exactly where I can go. So I don't have to hit a million laps. I can just go to the fourth floor and I know there's spots available. I mean, it's so obvious that in the future, every single parking garage is going to, we're going to know exactly if it's full or not. We're going to know before we leave our house where there's going to be parking, you know, on a yep. minute to minute basis. Uh, and it feels like we're not really close to that yet um, because everything is so disparate. Um, both platforms like Park Mobile, it seems like that could be a little bit closer to reality sometime soon. It's, I mean, our platform can actually do it already. It's really, it ended at the end of the day, it's, it's all about the the hardware at the you know at the in the in the service area as it were. Uh, I mean, look, chip chips have been in credit cards in the U.S. for 
15 years, but not all the, not all the devices at the point of sale could read them. You know, we're, we're, think of us as the chip. We're ready to go. It's, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the endpoints that need to now be able to, to use the new technology. So from a smart city perspective and like with these kind of changes in mind, how do you think about organizing your team internally, organizing your technology assets um, to focus on that customer experience? Because, you know, your customers are, you know, government entities or, uh, you know, parking structures or things like that. But you also have the end user. Um, it's that kind of multi-sided marketplace where you have the people like Ian that are out there trying to find a parking spot uh, in Berkeley, which is, is so, so challenging. <laughs> So how do you view just like building the technologies internally? Like how do yeah. you focus your time, you know, when you have the customers that are kind of the agencies, the government entities, yeah. people like that, but you also have this like, you know, this app that the individual user needs to have, you know, work really well. Yeah, for sure. I understood. And, and I mean, we are, we essentially enable a marketplace I mean, we're a classic two-sided marketplace we have to drive value to both sides of the marketplace in order to, to increase our value. Every additional person that is using park on the park mobile network is using that park mobile app creates more value to the city, the garage, you know, the, 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 the airport that might want to deploy park mobile. Cause that's one more person that could use this technology at their location. Every new location deploys park mobile creates value to the consumer, to the Ian's of the world, because now there's one more place that you only have to have one app to use. Okay. And so we focus very much on both sides of, on both sides of the barbell as it were. And like I said, and that's how really a lot of our teams are set up in terms of kind of front end and back end. We've got teams that are really focused on the consumer, which we call our customers, the customer side of the equation, the usability, the experience, you know, all of that stuff to make it super easy, intuitive, and take steps out and create efficiencies. We also have a team that focuses very much on the city or the or the 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 event venue, the university, to make sure that they have the tools to manage their their operations, parking, charging, etc., all through the Park Mobile platform. So we have a platform called Park Mobile 360, and it is a full end-to-end, -end, you know, client administrative tool. It's actually the same tool that we use internally. Uh, if you need something done, we can obviously do it for you as well on our platform, but all of our clients have access to this so that they can change their rates on their own. If they need to shut down a street for cleaning on Wednesday, they can do that on their own or for a parade. Um, they can pull their own reporting. And if they need to change rates, all this kind of stuff to manage their parking operation, they use, they can use our platform. What's more and the way we've built it uh, is that, uh, and we're now deploying it. Uh, with 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 clients is that they can actually manage more than just the park mobile app on this platform, but they can actually manage the rates that they're sending out to the meters. Because remember, if you park in Oakland and pay a meter, that's a different provider than us. That's not us. We're sort of we we're an alternative to that. But what we enable cities to do is to have one platform with one source of truth, one rate structure that then drives multiple consumer endpoints for them. So instead of having to make three calls to make a change or pull together three different Excel sheets to see reporting, everything's in one place for them. Uh, and so that's really how we're, how we are set up. 
uh, is to make sure we're serving both sides of the equation. Uh, and so far, I think we've, you know, we've had very good success with that. Uh, and our clients, who are the cities and the owners of the services, uh, have been very pleased. Uh, we have over 90% of our clients you know, are enabled on Park Mobile 360 and use it for rate changes and, and, and reporting, et cetera. So I interviewed Diane Eisner, who is, uh, I think, employee six at Waze, um, back a couple of years ago. She was talking about one of the, the crazy things that they got to the point with Waze was it was like they had more data than cities had about themselves at a certain point. It was like, hey, do you know that, you know, this intersection has, um, you know, a bunch of people that are always trying to turn right. And, uh, you know, maybe you should add two, you know, an extra right-hand turn lane to this, just things like that. I'm curious from a data perspective, what types of things are you able to figure out about, you know, people's parking habits and traffic patterns and things like that, that can help cities? Because it seems like it's, it's beyond just, you know, having the, the digital tools, which is really valuable in and of itself. Yeah. So first of all, all the data that we have is, is always hundred percent anonymized. And I just want to point that out to begin with. Um, you know, we don't, if we lose the trust of the, of the Ian's of the world, uh, then we lose our value to our clients and we lose our business. So first and foremost, we are focused on, on privacy and making sure that there's, we're not leveraging it to advertise or to do things like that. Um, but that said, we do have an enormous amount of information on, on really mobility uh, of, of people and consumers and workers and commuters and things like that. And we do actually, you know, part of what three, Park Mobile 360 does is enables our clients to look and pull up reports and look at graphical renderings of, hey, where, you know, where are the highest parking, you know, sort of where are people parking the most or the longest at what hours? So they can actually make changes based upon that information say, hey, we should raise rates here, we should lower rates here. Hey, this is a really high time. You know, how do we provide incentives for people to come into town? Because we see nobody's coming into this area of town on Wednesday evenings. So, you know, from a from a chamber of commerce or sorry, or a, you know, kind of call it like maybe a, you know, the the downtown biz, business district board can say, hey, we should be creating incentives to bring people in on Wednesdays, because now we see that people aren't really coming as much. There's a lot that cities can use from our information uh, to see that. One of the really interesting things that we are now seeing, and and our you know in our our information because we are so broad and we are used in I mean nearly every city in the U.S. is we are essentially a barometer of both business and commuter activity as well as as call it consumer retail activity. Um, and depending upon where the parking is, you kind of know the type of the profile of the person um, that's that's doing that. And so with this whole lockdown with COVID, you know, we're actually seeing right now, all right, where are things actually starting to return, you know, returning normal, but starting to come back. And, you know, where are things really still either maybe going down? Uh, and so we can kind of see as maybe almost a leading indicator of economic activity Within, within different towns, different regions, um, and different types of towns. And I can tell you beach towns are now suddenly seeing real growth. Like it's, it's marked. It's really significant. Um, larger cities are seeing lower. Mid-sized cities growing a lot more recently. And so, so a lot of that kind of information is kind of interesting. And what we, you know, what we or cities can use it for to understand, 
to understand what's going on from an economic act activity standpoint um, is something we're just trying to get our heads around. So you talked a little bit about, you know, Park Mobile's 360 platform. Obviously, there's going to be other, you know, disruptions that come with this kind of industry. I mean, you know, the, you hear about people talking about, uh, you know, their their goal is to end up not needing to exist. I, I don't think parking is going to be free for everyone all the time anytime soon. So I don't think that that's happening. Um, but I'm curious, like, what are some other things that you're looking out on the horizon that are interesting uh, to you in the space? You mean just outside of parking? Where, where else do we go? Not necessarily where else does your company go, but just like, what are you personally curious about or interested in as it relates to, you know, transportation and mobility? Oh, sure. So there's a couple of themes and some of them do actually play into to us. And, you know, since we're sort of central to a lot of mobility, everything around it does play somewhere into us, whether we can help or benefit from it or not is, is a different story. Um, but some, some themes that, uh, that I'm thinking about a lot right now, and I would say that the themes I think about now have changed dramatically in the last eight weeks, because I think we have seen you know, a, a seed change in consumer behavior that will likely persist with us for a long time. So we think about, if I look at mobility um, before it was, hey, what is the rise of, you know, of ride hailing mean to, you know, mean to us and to parking? And, and the answers there were things like hotel parking is, is really going to be devastated. Airport parking has been going down dramatically. Other kind of commuters, not so much, right? It's not had a huge impact there. Micromobility, scooters, um, big impact on, on parking and in an opportunity sort of way as well. Well, in the, in the post-COVID world, we're seeing new themes that I think are going to be playing out. You know, one is I think you're going to see, at least for a meaningful amount of time, a significant move back towards personal vehicles um, and, and away from rideshare uh, and certainly away from mass transit which brings with it congestion issues, parking issues, all sorts of other issues that, that, you know, that we'll want to be, to be able to address. Uh, I think you're going to see a resurgence in rental cars, uh, particularly for business travel. You know, if, 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 if I'm going to fly to Dallas and have four meetings, I can either take six Ubers to get around and get back to the airport, or I can rent a car. Well, in the old days, I almost certainly would have just taken Ubers because it's easier. Probably now I'm going to rent a car. Um, so I think we're going to see a resurgence of that. I think we are also going to see less people commuting at all because everyone is now getting used to how do they work from home. And so the impact on office retail space, uh, on commuters going into town, you know, maybe it was five days a week. Now maybe it's two days a week. Uh, I think there's a huge amount of impact on what and how people operate that is not going to go away the second that, that you know, a vaccine comes out. Um, because I think people have have seen the other side of what it is to to work remotely, and a lot of it they like. At least they like to have it a couple of days a week, uh, and they're going to be much more cognizant of you know the risks that they may be exposing themselves to, you know, as they as they go out into the world, and at least trying to minimize those risks um, to the extent that they can. Yeah, I think it's as we want to be more sustainable, as we want to have a more green transportation experience and, and footprint. I mean, it's just part of the thing is just knowledge. Like we just need to know 
where there are areas to park. We need to know where, like, what is the best transportation? I think that people are going to follow the path of least resistance in most ways. And, you know, I think that there's, there's some, you know, potential issues in the short term that have to figure out like, hey, we know that putting a bunch of extra cars on the road for, for Lyft and, and, and Uber and all those sort of things, you know, definitely increase traffic in the short term, but a single person commuting with their car has an opportunity to add zero people to the ride 100% of the time. Whereas, you know, a a car that has sharing capabilities has the alternative to add different people to the ride. So it's like, I think that the convergence of different technologies is going to be the thing that unlocks a lot of that, you know, opportunity um, for us to, to have a, a much more green footprint. And I think that each of those working in silos is not really going to end up, you know, moving the needle totally, but all of those working together, I think we could see some really, really interesting results. And if we don't get a handle on parking, like there's no way to, to come close to solving the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And I think, you know, the other big theme that everyone always talks about and asks, asks me about, and, and, you know, and again, we do parking is a, massive amount of our business. Um, but it's because it's the thing that cars do the most, but we're really about mobility, right? We're really about service, getting to a place at rest and procuring services at rest. So it could be getting an oil change, getting charged, getting fueled, getting cleaned. Um, you know, autonomous vehicles will change everything and they frankly will, you know, if I'm a ride hailing, if I'm an Uber and I'm an autonomous Uber that can actually sort of disinfect cloud you know, the inside of the car between every ride, suddenly the health concern goes away, right? So that's actually a great solution. Whereas I can't do that to the driver every, every, every ride. So it doesn't work. Um, but what we've always been building is this, think of it as the rails, the underlying infrastructure to connect drivers, whether that driver is you and me with our phone or the vehicle itself, right? Vehicles are the driver of the future um, to services. And as vehicles become autonomous, they are still going to need to park, right? They're going to, my car is going to drop me off and it's going to go park itself. It's got to know where the parking is. It has to be able to start a session without doing anything with a physical interaction. It needs to get a gate to open without putting its window down and pulling a ticket. It needs to know there's a space waiting for it. If it needs to charge, it needs to know there's a charging station waiting for it and it can pay for that charging session. So what we really look at the Park Mobile Network is doing is enabling a driver. And ultimately, we're almost the most critical infrastructure for autonomous vehicles because we're the ones that are enabling them to then transact and operate in the ecosystem itself where, there, where, there's, where, there's, where there's an interaction or transaction needed. You know, it's not the driving and turning left and turning right. It's actually procuring services for that vehicle, knowing where they are, having them ready, paying for them that we connect them to. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, that's I think it's just such a fascinating and exciting time for this type of technology because I think you're exactly right and it's cool that you're working on this obviously that to build the rails is the important part that if we don't have the infrastructure in place then you can't build on top of that and figure out kind of those last mile problems and all all of those different different pieces. You know, obviously COVID colors all of this um and I'm curious, just as a leader, how are you navigating through the hard times? What are you 
doing with your team uh, to try to communicate effectively and be responsive uh, to your employees and customers? You know, we're very uh, fortunate in that we're already at the size and I think the scale and, and sophistication that we had all the tools in place to go 100% remote at the, you know, with a flip of a switch. Um, you know, as we got bigger, we realized that we needed to be able to have the tools to collaborate uh, and to accommodate different work styles with the kind of people that we needed and wanted to work with. And so the switch to go remote was, was, was frankly pretty seamless for us. And I credit that to, to our entire team and, and, and the management team um, for really putting in place a good, a good system. We, you know, we do now, you know, weekly, all company standups on Thursday uh, where we're checking in, we're letting them know what's going on. We're trying to make sure we're staying, we're staying connected to folks. I, I'd like to say our team's doing great. We stayed pretty connected. We had really good bond relationships before. And I think that's, I think that has continued. Um, we're also making sure that folks, you know, we're checking in on them on their mental health. Um, you know, one of the things we talked about yesterday on our all company was, Hey, you know, just cause you're working from home, it doesn't mean that you, you know, you got to remember to also take a day off. I know you can't go anywhere, but shut it down. You know, just because you happen to live in your office now doesn't mean you always have to be in your office. And so take vacation, even if you're not going anywhere with it. And so we're trying to maintain as, as normal lifestyles we can, uh, but stay as connected as we can too. And, and I think so far, it's been terrific. Um, our teams have been really productive. And, uh, and in certain ways, we almost communicate more now than we did before because we're, we're being forced to be more aware of it. And so that's been, that's been a positive that we hope to take, take through and continue once things do return a little more to normal. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I hate to look for silver linings because it's such a tragic time, but I think, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, invention. Exactly. And, and I do think that some of the things like we were talking about before we started recording about people don't want to touch a, a meter uh, and touch something that you know, someone has touched a million times or, you know, put their credit card somewhere that someone has done that a million times. Like those sort of things that rethinking, like, why are we even doing this? Like, is there a way that we can switch this immediately so we don't have to do it? I think that those are, um, you know, things that we probably just shouldn't be doing anyways. And it's, it's great to see a lot of organizations respond accordingly to meet those needs. You know, one other thing that I think that we're we've been talking about we haven't decided if it if it is a benefit or not if it's happened or not but physical interaction is so critical to relationships to being able to work together to trust and that you you cannot replace that one of the potential benefits of this is that you know i can't just walk down the hall and and start to pontificate on some new idea that i just had which is good uh which is good and bad right a lot of good ideas come out of that but there's probably some aspect of needing to actually, I mean, you got to work a little bit to communicate with somebody. I got to set up a call. I got to dial them. I can't just, you know, poke my head in where, you know, a lot of distractions and silly little ideas and things that, Hey, we ought to think about this. A lot of those things that probably just distract and ultimately don't bring a lot of value kind of push to the wayside when you're remote and let people be much more effective in doing the job at hand. Uh, because they're not getting pulled away on little on little side projects that really are interesting, but probably not moving the needle. So we think there may be a benefit to that as well. And I'm probably the worst offender of of those kinds of loopy ideas of of anybody in the company. 
Let's get into our lightning round questions. The lightning round is brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. You can go to salesforce.com slash platform to learn more. Love Salesforce. They've been with us since the very beginning of IT Visionaries. Check them out, salesforce.com slash platform. Lightning round questions. John, are you ready? I'm ready. Number one, what app on your phone is the most fun? Park Mobile. <laughs> Not that's cheating. That's <laughs> cheating. What, what app other than Park Mobile? Other than Park Mobile, uh, I would say it's the, the Ameritrade account. Uh, Ameritrade app right now, given the crazy stock market. What book or podcast are you currently listening to or reading? I am actually reading Moby Dick right now because I never have. And everyone said that you need to before you die. How is it? It is really complicated. I'll be honest with you. I'm struggling. <laughs> uh, what about, uh, are you binging anything uh, during, the, during the quarantine? Uh, yes, my family and I are binging Lost in Space right now. Oh, the new one or, or the old one? The new one, the new one. What about, what advice would you give to a first-time CEO? Uh, first-time CEO, I would say, don't be afraid to be in charge and don't be afraid to listen to the folks around you. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? Wow. Um, what's it like to work at Park Mobile? I mean, our people are like, we have a lot of fun. And people don't usually ask about that part of our business. They really ask about what we do versus the folks we do it with. Yeah. What's it like? You know, it's great. Uh, we've got a group of folks who all share like a really common goal and vision about what we're doing and the things we're trying to do. And, uh, you know, my gauge of, of, a, of a really good culture is, is A, people don't want to leave. Uh, and B, do they go out together after work? Do they choose to be together on the weekends, um, you know, outside of the office? And, uh, and by that metric, which I think is a pretty good metric, we're, we're killing it. Um, it's just terrific. I had a, one, of my, one of the people that used to work with us, they went on to a really cool opportunity. Um, you know, he and I just caught up for drinks uh, this week just because we're friends, you know, and, and I just love that. It's, it's, uh, it's, been, it's, it's an extraordinary place. Awesome, John. That's it. That's all we got for today. Any uh, final thoughts? Anything to plug? No. Hey, look, I really appreciate it. We, uh, we uh, appreciate everyone that uses Park Mobile. And if, if they're having trouble, you know, feel free to email me directly. Uh, it's just jz at parkmobile.io. Awesome. Thanks so much. Take care. Thanks, Ian. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com platform. <laughs>